0: Welcome to the Person Behind the Pads podcast, a chat with a Colts player about life off the gridiron.
1: Welcome into another episode of the Person Behind the Pads podcast here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm JJ Stankovic, joined today by linebacker Zaire Franklin. Zaire, thanks for joining us, man. Of course, appreciate you having me. So I want to talk to you about a lot about your foundation, Salisha's Angels, because some of the work that you've done through it I think has been really neat to follow since I started covering the Colts here a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But the inspiration for it comes from your mother, Shalice, mm-hmm. but the the work that you've done with it, how did the, the passing of your mother and grandmother in that 77 day stretch when you were in high school, how did that influence the work that you've wanted to do in your foundation?
0: Oh man, um, it's influenced it a ton. Uh, you know, I think, you know, just the role that those two women played in my life um, and just the perspective that they gave uh, me not only just on women, on, on the world, on on the environment around me, um, but also just um, what it meant to really have somebody really believe in you and that inspiration. Um, so, honestly, the whole ideal behind it, um, the genesis of it at its heart, is really me just kind of giving back to young women who were in situations that I was in. Um, I feel like so many times, uh, you know, as athletes, you know, we want to do the football camps. Obviously, when I pull up to a middle school, you know, I'm talking to the young guys, you know, I mean, they want, oh, who's the best running back you played? Or oh, I can run you over. You know, it's always stuff like that. And I love that. You know, that's the stuff that motivates me, keep me going. But I feel like so many times, sometimes the young women are the ones that are overlooked in those communities. So, um, you know, obviously, I got a financial literacy background, too. Um, obviously, we got an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but I always make a, you know, actual effort to make sure that I'm spending time with the young women, giving them those experiences, giving them. Them, just safe spaces for them to talk about their struggles and their dreams and talk to other women who are successful about their journeys and what it took to actually, you know, reach those places.
1: You've taken those women into a lot of male dominated places, mm-hmm. you know, like tech companies, mm-hmm. Google, Meta. I know you've mm-hmm. done visits there. You did a visit to Seventy Sixers headquarters mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. How cool is it to show them like and for them to see examples of themselves in those environments to be inspired to maybe go down that path. Oh man, it's awesome. And it's it's so funny. I tell I tell the girls all the time, I'm like, "Listen,
0: I'm getting just mud out of this, much as out of this tr- field trip as you guys are. Like I'm in there, I'm feeling like a kid at, at, at Google, at Meta, at the Sixers. You know, um, and it's really cool. Like when we went to Meta, um, obviously we had a panel of of women uh, executives that was uh, that work at the company, and you know I think it was even therapeutic for them. You know, for sometimes when you get in those situations, and you're talking to kids, you know who are, you know, just bright-eyed and just want to learn so much from you. It's almost like you're talking to yourself. Um, and really just, especially at the last time I met her, I really felt like, you know, we created, like, that safe space for women. Um, not only the kids and the, the seventh, eighth graders that we brought on a trip, but also the women on a panel um, to talk about, you know, well, how did you come overcome a failure? you know what did that feel like what are some things that you could pass on to someone if you were in your shoes um you know how do you handle success how do you handle dealing with these male dominant spaces and how do you find peace who are the people in your work environment that you lean on um and end up being man just a great conversation great trip um you know something i really enjoy um bringing my fiance along i have women on my board um that i feel like learn a lot from it too so uh, like I said, I know it's great for them, but I, even us as adults, we get a lot from it, too, because sometimes we don't really sit
1: back and think about our journey like that either, mm-hmm. too. For you, the the tragedy of losing your, your mother and your grandmother in that stretch, I, I don't think a lot of people would handle it the way that you have, where you, you've you taken that that traumatic experience, but you, you've now tried to give back, inspired through it. Um, can you just take us back to, to those moments where... You know, I, I know you. your mother was sick for a while. She mm-hmm. had the you know brain tumors and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but losing your grandmother in that stretch and just the, the couple of days after that, what was that journey like for you to kind of have to start of, hey, you know, I'm in high school, but I kind of have to, you know, kind of on your own now almost.
0: Yeah, honestly, it's really, it was like two different experiences in a weird way. So like, you know, obviously my mom had been sick for a long time. So like, when my mom passed, in a weird way it was almost like relief. You know, it was like, you know, every day I'm I'm, I'm coming home from school. She's at my game. She's, you know, moving around. She would drive me to to school, but I understood what it took for her to do those things. I understood, mm-hmm. you know, the different things. Every three months something came up. She had to go to another doctor visit. We gotta go through another treatment. We might have to do this or so like when she actually passed, like, as much as it hurt to not have her, I was relieved, like, okay, you know, she don't have to go through this stuff no mm-hmm. more because it was something that she was gonna have to deal with for the rest of her life. Um, so when my it was just a little bit of a different situation when my grandmother passed, I'm not gonna lie, it was like a like a what? Like, you know what I mean? It was like everything stopped. I remember like just turning my head and it was a week later and it's the funeral. Like, it just felt like I just blinked. You know, I just kind of didn't know what was going on. And honestly, at the time, you know, um, you know, obviously I was taking like a week away from school and stuff like that. But I just really threw myself into just like being with my teammates. You know, at the time, my, my friends that I had at the time, man, I can't, I can't, I'm giving them enough, enough kudos uh, for just having my back and just supporting me um, and just being there for me. You know, I ended up staying at my friend's house because, I was, it was a house with us three, um, mm-hmm. you know? So right. when they passed, I really was living by myself. I was in my house by myself cause my aunt who uh, would move in, she didn't move into the summer. So I was really staying there with just me and my, my cousin, who's basically my big sister. So I really was staying with my best friend at the time. He lived, he was, dri- he was driving me to school now cause I didn't have my license. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, I felt like at that time so much was poured into me um, from my friends, from my coaches, um, from family members, obviously, um, and I felt like, you know, just the village I had around me really just surrounded me. So, you know, as I get older and i reach these different points in my career and in my life, it just makes me want to give back not only to the people who gave to me, but to people who are in positions to help support young people going through those type of situations because I understand that, it's, like they always say, it takes a village. It's the people around you, um, you know, that are – Help you reach those pinnacles, especially during tough times.
1: And now, for for those kids, if you're a little part of that village of through course. through your foundation, through the stuff that you've done, of course. How much gratification do you get out of that?
0: Man, it's not, it's like it's crazy because it's just like when I grew up and when I was at their age. Like I remember like being in school, and I used to think like. Are the Eagles real players? Like, I don't like, are they real people? I only see them on TV. They're like movie stars. Like, do they actually exist? Where they be at in Philly? You know, I be used to always think that. And I used to always tell myself, like, man, like, if I make it to the league, like, I'm going to make sure I come back. I'm going to make sure, you know, if I go, the kids know that I went to this school because I always thought that would be so cool. So, you know, for me to go back, um, to my middle school, go back to my high school, go back to Philly or even to in Indianapolis, a lot of times it's for me to let the kids know that dreams are real. Like dreams, are like that's a real person. I'm a real person. I really was in your shoes. I was doing the things you did. You can obtain what I have. You could be just like me or better than me. You could reach these things. You could feel it. You could see it. You could see how I walk, talk, laugh. Because for me, so many times, if I could see it, I could achieve it. So I just try to be that example in that person for them because I feel like if they could see me, they could feel me, they could understand, okay, I could reach my goals, whatever that actually is.
1: I mean you're not just like a guy on the field.
0: Like some fixture or some made up caricature. Like, no, I'm a real person. Like I got I pain, I bleed just like you bleed. And guess what? I went through struggles just like you going mm-hmm. through and it's gonna be okay. You could get through that.
1: The financial literacy stuff, I, I wrote a story on what you did mm-hmm. uh, you know, back in February, but that aspect of it I think is, is really neat. When you lost your mom and your grandma, what did you have to do financially to kind of get through that period? Because you're, you're going to private school. I mean, Man. what do you have to do then? Man, so it's funny. So at the time, uh,
0: LaSalle might hate me for this, but at the time, I think my, my high school cost like 18000 a year to go to. So I transferred in my sophomore year. Um, they gave me a scholarship, um, but we still had to pay, a, you know, a decent amount. We were on welfare, man. We were on food stamps. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, you know, my, my grandmother was very financially um, responsible. Um, so it's not like we ever had our lights cut off or our water off, but we, we were just making ends meet. She was retired. My mom wasn't working. So she was, right. you know, on, on, we were getting the welfare, um, but she always taught me, you know, all right, look, this is how you pay your bills. This is how you balance your checkbook. She would walk me through those type of things. Um, So obviously when my parents passed, uh, you know, LaSalle, uh, God bless them. They helped take care of They gave me a full scholarship so I could continue to go to school there. Um, But, you know, and when something tragedy happens, like, especially like in a black community, you know, I guess it's it's normal for the village. You know, like, come on, look, you lost your parents. I'm going to give you a couple dollars. You know, I'm going to try to take care of you. But I understood even from a young age at 16, like, hold on. Like, this is it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a full-time football player. I'm traveling for camps, you know. Then I don't have time for a job, you know what I mean? So I just understood, like, okay, look, I think I might have had, what, $1,500, maybe $2,000. And at 16, it's like, oh, man, you know, I got some – but I understood, like, look, I got to make this last for, like, a year and a half until I go to college or even until college. Um, So it just kind of put me in, like, a survival mode when it came to, like, budgeting and – learning okay this is what it feels like to have money and not have anything mm-hmm. that, or like how to this is how you allocate your money This is when I first opened my first bank account um it was when I really first started like I said budgeting and um what I come to learn is and I end up getting my degree in finance um at Syracuse um and what I feel like what I just come to learn was is just that the the quicker that you could kind of give somebody those tools and that understanding of of financial literacy of, you know, how to, you know, move your money in the right way. That way they won't live so much in survival, teaching them how to save. Um, you know, I got close friends who didn't have a bank account to their senior year in college. That used to mm-hmm. blow my mind. I was like, what I had once since I was 16, but I had to. They didn't have those type of situations. So um, even like the event we did last year, um, you know, in the building, we taught them financial literacy and then gave all the kids a bank account with some cash in it. Um, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but it's something like financial stat. Like the sooner that you have a savings account as a kid, the more likely you'll be, you know, financially, you know, uh, know, sound. So um, I had to learn a lot of lessons, you know, because life threw them at me early on. So... I guess I just, my whole thought process behind the whole thing is just how soon or how much can I try to give those lessons on to a kid who's not going through those things, but they can still learn those things at a younger age, I guess.
1: When you're talking with, you know, kids in black communities, Mm -hmm. does it help that it's coming from you?
0: Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's a big thing. You know, that's like the thing that nobody wants to talk about, but they need to see people that's like them. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's like a big thing. Like when I go to these companies, whether it's Meta uh, the Sixers, you know, shout out to Brittany Boyd. She's the senior VP um, at the Sixers um, of marketing. And she worked, but they need, those young girls need to see a, a black woman that's from the situation that they're from Um that's achieving the things that they want to. It's just, it's just visualization. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's the same way when we walk through, I'm walking through, I need to see. I like to see myself on tape or I like to see guys that fit the body type and the play style that I have. So I'm like, okay, I can make that type of play. Same way they those kids feel the same way. Like they want to see women that look like them or men that look like them that's from situations like them because then that makes them feel like the problems that they're going through are conquerable. Like, oh, I can yeah. overcome this because, hey, look, if Zaire could do it, look, I could do it. And that's all I ever want for the kids.
1: When you've gone on those, those trips to Meta or Google, mm. what if you kind of mentioned like you're, you know, you're kind of like a kid getting no out no of it yeah. when you, uh, like I, when you start thinking about life after football mm-hmm. and you do those trips, are you also kind of thinking like <laughs> what, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to work for Google or anything, but like you, you kind of start thinking, does that kind of start your, your mind thinking on that too? Well, I ain't gonna lie. So when I went to Google, I think it was after my first
0: year, um, you know, I'm 7 round pick, you know, I'm like, look, man, I don't know, this might not work out. I might need to uh you know, parlay something in here. You know, now, I don't know, I made too much, a little too much money for that. I don't know, maybe we'll see, but <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but it's definitely cool. You know, I think it's awesome, especially too for like my fiance. She, she got her degree in uh, IT, but she went more of the bank route, but it's kind of to see like, look, this is a different way to kind of do tech. And like, you go to Google and you find it like, man, these guys don't work. You know, these guys in here playing Tap Dance Revolution. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy, they was like, the guy that came up with uh, Google uh, Docs. Did it because he was playing with Legos and didn't feel like going back to work, and I'm like, man, that's crazy. I love Google Docs. Like that's (laughs) that's the best idea I ever heard of, and he came up with that playing with Legos. So it's just kind of like it's just dope to see that. Like you know, I think it's kind of interesting. People always talk about like you know the NFL and the difference between teams, and it's like there's 32 different companies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like you think about okay, Meta, uh, Facebook. I mean Meta and Google. Those are two different they two different cultures, two different ways of going about their things, and I think it's just very interesting to kind of see how these big, powerful, and successful companies, how their culture is like in their building um, and kind of how they run their teams and how they get the most out of their employees. Yeah. I always think that's like super interesting.
1: As I was going through this, I was, I was thinking like, I want to ask Zaire about what he wants to do after football. But I'm like, <laughs> this is kind of weird timing because you just set the franchise record for tackles. So like talking about life after football is kind of a weird time. But how much do you have to think about that as as someone who has seen what, What life looks like on the other side after football?
0: Um, I think it's for every player. It's always on your mind. You know what I mean? I think it's one of those situations where you're just kind of waiting for the ball to drop because you never know. You know, God willing, you know, I I play for another ten years, Um, but I know um, I just want to be prepared for whenever that day comes. So for me, it's just you know keeping my option open, being open minded, understanding that I'm going to struggle with the transition regardless, even if that's coaching or scouting.
1: Why do you why do you think that is?
0: Ah man, you've just been an athlete for so long, you know it's been such a big part of who you're who you are so big, such a big part of your life, your personality, how you walk, how you introduce yourself mm-hmm. you know so um that's why for me personally, I'm always big on not letting one thing define me, but I understand that being an athlete is a big part of who I am I've been working out every day basically since I was what like <laughs> Fourteen. Like I've been lifting weights since that long. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to stop. You know, once yeah, I stop yeah. playing, I don't know, I ain't gonna be squatting 400 pounds no more. That's probably done. But <laughs> you know, I think it's just it's definitely gonna be in transition. But you know, I think as long as I'm open minded, as long as I continue to you know expand my my life off the field, you know, I think I'll be in a good position.
1: How much does leadership kind of come to you in that? Because you're a team captain, mm-hmm. three time team captain here. Mm-hmm. How, how much of that do you think about? How you could use that trait that you have in life after football?
0: Um, You know, I think it's you know it's funny because you know I was talk you know you talk to like former teammates in college and you know they're doing great things and or even guys who you know transition out of the league and then you realize like oh like. We work in constantly working with other people, people from extremely different type of backgrounds, team building. You know, obviously, it's just it's just funny how much it really translates. You know, you kind of just worried about, you know, being a great guy in the linebacker room and, you know, trying to be, you know, positive in the defensive meeting room and, you know, trying to build bonds with guys on the other side of the ball to you. And then you start to really realize, like, okay, you're working in a business, you're working. All these tools are actually transferable in another standpoint, I guess that's just like a perspective you get when you go to like Google and Meta and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely think it is a lot of translation um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, it's something that, that comes into play, but not no time soon.
1: Yeah, no time soon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, for, for you, just the – who you are now as a football player, like you have all this structure around being in the building. Mm-hmm. You You have this deep identity, but you say it's not the only part of you that – you know, you want to be defined by. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be defined too, as someone who has a legacy of giving back, who has a legacy of impacting people? Cause I think that, that part of it, the way that you're so hands on with it, I think is really neat. Like you're not just saying, Hey, we're going to, you know, throw some money at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really like put a lot of effort into it. Mm-hmm. How much is that? Just you want that to be kind of part of how your story is told.
0: Well, for me personally, um, I want that to be first and foremost that, um, you know, yes, he was a great player. Yes, he was a great leader. But he was also – he affected every community in which he was in in a positive manner. And he left it better than how he found it. Um, that's I guess that's just my big goal. Um, you know, as far as my community service style, I feel like that's just who I am. You know, I know a lot of guys that give back and they do it in different ways. But for me, it's boots on the ground. It's time. It's energy. Um, honestly, it's no better – Cure for a game, whether I play great or play bad. Then going to a high school or hanging around some kids or whatever that is, man, because it just resets you, puts you back at ground zero. It's like you back in seventh grade all over again, you mm-hmm. know. And then it's just like it gives you so much perspective on, you know, the things that you're doing and how blessed we really are to, you know, to play this game. So, um, you know, for me how i like to carry things i'm a little bit of a control freak too that's why you know i'm so (laughs) hands on but at the same time you know that's just really how i like to run things i like to put my heart in it you know because i feel like that's just you know, how you're going to get the best version of me. And I feel the same way about the team. You know, I got I to gotta put my heart and my soul in it, and I'm going to give you every part of me. And that's that's the only way you're going to get the best version of me.
1: All right, speaking of heart and soul and the best version, you got a Philly <laughs> cheesesteak here named after you. I do, actually. Shout out to Hoagies and Hops. <laughs> Hoagies. So, okay, how long did it take Hoagies and Hops to get that sandwich right? Uh, They actually got it good. So
0: yeah? they posted it, and then they posted I think they tagged me, Nick. And Matt, because Matt's from Philly. You didn't know yeah. Matt? No, Matt Ryan. Well, oh, Conti is from Philly. Shout out to Conti. Yeah, uh-huh. Matt Ryan's from Philly. I know, I don't know, but we claim it Matt Ryan, don't? So here we go. Hall of Famer. Um, Should be indeed. So uh, they tagged all of us, and I was like, dang, what a kid from Philly got to do to get a cheesesteak? And they was like, what's your order? So then they whipped it up, and then uh, I think right after the season, I treated the whole trainer room to the cheese steak. It's actually mm-hmm. fire, though. So yeah, definitely go check that out. Because Conti, Matt Conti, is from Philly. Oh yeah, no He question. said it was. It was good. No, it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. When I ate, I had two. So, yeah, no. That's
1: that's probably pretty hard to get out <laughs> here in the Midwest, though. Like a real Philly cheese. Like, okay, so what makes a real Philly cheesesteak?
0: Uh, I would say it starts with the bread. Okay. I would say it starts with the bread, and I think that's why the hoagie is so good. They ship them in from uh, Jersey, I believe. It's like um, an Italian bread or like a French bread. Or? I would just say it's more so consistency. You know, okay. they call y'all okay. call them subs, we call them hoagies. Yep. I won't get into the debate of mm-hmm. what it actually is, but that's really much what it is. The hoagie roll. And you know, obviously, you got to chop up the ribeye and get it right. You know, I'm not a big whiz guy. I like American. Okay. Um, you know, I always I go mayonnaise because I like I like I like mayonnaise. I know some people don't like mayonnaise. You know, salt pepper ketchup. It's controversial. Ketchup. Salt pepper ketchup is like a base to your cheesecake, though. Salt pepper ketchup is just that's how we in it. Like that's okay. immediately like salt pepper ketchup. I like mustard. Some people don't like mustard. That's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, and then I also like sweet peppers. I like I like sweet peppers in mine too. So. Um your cheesesteak is like it's like uh, your Chipotle order. It's like it's like mm-hmm. a personalized thing okay. to you. So that's why I was just in the turnum telling them today the like what is a Philly cheesesteak? Like that whole concept to me bothers me because like everybody in Philly eats a different cheesesteak.
1: Really? Yeah. Cuz I thought it was just I thought it was just steak and cheese whiz seriously that's what i thought it was no you look at me like i'm an idiot no
0: <laughs> no it's not that but it's everybody got their own order i'm like my best friend he likes cheesesteak hoagies which is more like with lettuce and tomatoes no i wouldn't get lettuce and tomatoes on my cheesesteak but i know a lot of people that love it you know what i'm saying okay. so and the yeah. same way people look at me crazy for getting mustard but i love
1: mustard so so you can get your cheesesteak to order at hops and hoagies the way that you want it to be Yes, sir. That's great. A little Indeed. taste of home.
0: Got to. Yeah, it tastes good, but, but I'm, I'm cutting away right now. I can't, I can't, I gotta fall back on my teeth. stuff. All
1: right, last one for you. I, I had a conversation with you in the locker room mm-hmm. uh, just about like the, the rigors of going through an NFL season mm-hmm. and how in it you, you mentioned you gained an appreciation playing this game for like what other athletes go through. Mm-hmm. So, like, what did you do when the 76ers lost? In the playoffs, like how did you, how did you handle knowing what those guys had to put their bodies through Ooh. while being a fan and being devastated that your team lost? How did that you handle hurts that? Because
0: I know you were a Chicago fan, so I feel like you're trying me right now. But that's cool. I'm though.
1: a Bulls fan. I, I got well, no, no leg to stand on. But here. that's
0: why I'm that's why I'm shocked. But it's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, me and Conte are still actively grieving. Um, but. You know, I understand what it's like, man. It it definitely hurts. You know, you put all you got, you know, into a season, especially when you get that close, you know. Those are the ones that hurt. But especially for your body, man, you know, I think, you know, especially this past year, playing all those snaps, um, just understanding, you know, what it takes every week, you know, to get your body, you know, capable of being able to play at a high level um, over and over again. Uh, You know, I told Kenny, you know, I'm like, man, Kenny and Buck, I'm like, bro. Uh, especially Buck Bucks a warrior bro
1: <laughs> that guy plays an yeah. unbelievable match Bucks of snaps. a warrior
0: bro so I, i'm like man you guys you know another level of respect I always you you guys already inspire me but man look add something else to y'all jacket cuz you know it definitely takes a different grind but i think you know that's something that you kind of learn from the vets um and we be telling the rookies man it's really about your routine you know stick to your routine man stick to it Um, Constantly stay on top of stuff. Don't let the small things become big. And, you know, you're going to have some nicks and crannies, but you look, you tough. Play through that. You all right.
1: All right. Zire Franklin here on the person behind the pads podcast. Z, thanks for joining us. For sure. Appreciate you having me.